Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. We're in the middle of a really fun conversation with Ellen Lawler. Ellen is a professional dog trainer, and if you've been listening to the previous episodes, you know she has become balanced obsessed. Last week, we ended with a question about loopy listening. If you're familiar at all with my work, you've heard about loopy training. Ellen has used this teaching strategy to develop what she refers to as loopy listening. We're about to find out what that phrase means. Okay, so looping listening is basically training our eye to see the the subtle little whispers that our dogs do or our animal partners do in training that tell us when they are a little bit uncertain or confused. And I call it loopy listening because the way, the best way to evaluate this is through loopy training. So we want to, so our goal is to develop a a nice clean loop in our training. And when we are creating the loop, if we see the dog have some noise in the white space of the loop, which I've learned from you, meaning the, the little moment before and after the click or before and after the cue, we see extraneous behaviors creeping into our loop, then we want to really pay attention to that. Um, it's, uh, I'll see if I can ex- illustrate with an example to make it a little clearer. So if you have, uh, let's say you get a clean loop with something simple like a nose target, although we know that's not simple as we just talked about. Um, But let's say your dog understands the criteria and is like sitting in front of you and you're sitting in front of the dog and you hold up your hand in the same place and the dog touches your your hand with their nose and then you click and you feed and you get a nice little simple little clean loop. And then what you see is you do that two or three times and then the dog glances to the side so you, you have a clean loop and then, then you, you click and you feed. And then instead of going right back to the nose press, the dog looks over you know, to the side briefly and then comes back and does a nose press. And you think, oh, something distracted your dog. Um, and then you do a couple of more loops and then, uh, and then suddenly the dog notices a crumb on the ground and sniffs the ground and, and then comes back and does a nose and goes back to the job. And we, we tip, typically ignore that. And I, I call that, uh, that's that's the noise that we're looking for that we want to tune yep. our, tune our train our eye to hear and that because we we dismiss those little tiny behaviors but what's actually going on here well the dog is something is going on for the dog because what we're hap- when we have a perfect beautiful clean loop where we basically have a dog you know a, a, a dog handler team who is in flow and if the dog if there was something distracting if the dog was in flow the dog wouldn't notice it if you know, like I've had, yes. I've had dogs suddenly discover a crumb on the ground that was there the whole time. And, and I, and that, that tells me that I've broken something's something's broken in my, my flow. And so I, I would be wise to pay attention to that. One example that I have is that I was training one of my dogs to uh, put her chin in my hand. And then I was moving my hand around because I eventually want to be able to move her 
anywhere by having a chin press to my hand and I can just relocate her that way. And what ended up happening was I moved my hand a little too much and suddenly she, she followed it. I clicked, I fed, and then she started sniffing the ground. And then she came back to put her chin in my hand. And I realized in that moment, because I have tuned my loopy listening skills that when she broke the loop, that I had moved my criteria too, along too quickly. And probably by moving my hand the way I did when she was sitting, I pulled her out of balance and that probably felt awful for her. And so she had to regroup. So the sniffing of the ground wasn't that I had dropped a cookie <laughs> or, right. right. It was that right. she, she was looking, she needed a little break. And what ends up happening is we ignore those little whispers and then the whispers get louder and louder and louder until yes. the dog starts to shout and shouting will look like a dog who starts to, you know, bark and spin or quit or leave or the big behaviors that are, that, that, that are problem behaviors that we then can't progress our training with because we have a dog who, you know, will, I have people come to me all the time. My dog, my dog just quits on me or my dog starts barking at me or, and then of course the, all of that gets built into the loop when we're reinforcing it as well we end up in all sorts of trouble. But if we can dial it back to getting small, clean loops and watching for those little whispers and, uh, and addressing them at that point, then what ends up happening is the, the shouting behaviors will often just vanish. It's yes. so exciting yes. when you see that. It's yes. like, we don't, so, so many people think we have to do these big, huge, complicated training plans to solve problems. And, I'm, and it's like, no, loopy listening, balance, and, and then working on the, the mindset of the, of the trainer. You know, I think one skill, one easy skill to develop, because sometimes we ask our animals to take a step and their weight is on the leg we're asking them to move and they can't move it. So I think learning what leg is the next one to move is a good skill to have. And I wonder if you have a grip with people and an animal in front of you, if you ask everybody, which one is the next one to move? If everyone would get the right answer. You know, sometimes I look at deers outside. I have lots of yep. deers around my house. Every time I look at a deer, I always try to see which is the next leg to move. Most of the time I get it right. Sometimes I don't. That's a really interesting exercise. I watch my sheep and I always try to guess which, which individual sheep is going to move. And I, I don't watch their feet though. I watch their heads <laughs> and their ears, no. but watching little weight shifts, I think it, that, that would, so that's the sort of thing that would, would really help with really training your eye. Right. So even, even, even these little yeah, shifts of I balance, so. if you notice that you're, and it's different at various gates. So it's, it's an interesting exercise. And, you know, I'm sure, I mean, you see a lot of that in the horse books, but I don't know, uh, Alex, do you have ex things that books or places that where people could train their eye to know which is the just, next just leg video. to move? Go, go mm. watch video. Yeah, look at video. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but the, I think one of the best ways to train your eye is to do some of these awareness exercises. So that you become aware in your own body of what do I? Yeah, but we have only two legs. <laughs> but it's the it's it's the same 
we may we may be a biped and we're looking at quadrupeds but the translation to horses is dramatically and remarkably direct the exercise we did in science camp of walking in a circle around like a cone yeah slowly blew my mind i want to encourage every single person listening to this to go like you don't even need a cone like put a garbage can or a potted plant on the floor and walk really slowly around it lifting your legs very slowly and notice how much you wobble and fall over and and how what it takes to do that in a beautiful feeling of balance and then recognize like if you're training your dog to do stuff because that's what we were asking them to do like wow what they have to do with their bodies to be able to do it at top speed and, and everything that that just was like paradigm shifting for me to do that exercise that's so neat. That's so neat to hear. And it and it's all it is all part of what you were just describing in the loopy listening because mm-hmm. you know that's part of where the noise comes from is a loss of balance. Exactly. Um and as Dominique was talking about the the leg shifting that whole that video I have of that I was examining where where Desi was you know broke the loop and sniffed the floor um she also shuffled her feet and I bet you if I go back and look at she probably, I probably, like I said, pulled her out of balance. I know she was shuffling her feet when I, with my treat reinforcement, because I was holding the cookie too high over her head and she was having to pop up a little bit to get it. But I bet when I moved, I'm going to go back and watch it now. When I moved my hand too far, I bet you she had, uh, if I had noticed, was had been watching her feet, I would have seen a little stumble there too. And, and that would have been, which I wanted her to move, but I, uh, that was part of the, the intention of the exercise, but she was sitting. So it was very unfair for me to ask her to move when she couldn't, she, she wouldn't have been able to move in a balanced way. So, and, and I didn't even realize that till this exact moment. So I'm like, wow, okay. I can't, I shouldn't be teaching that exercise in a sit. I mean, what was I thinking? <laughs> so now, now I'm going to go back and, and revisit that. That That's very cool. So where do you see sort of now that it's that the, the P.G. Woodhouse expression of the shingles have fallen from before my eyes. That pops up in in, in Woodhouse's uh, all the time. And so now that you are seeing the dogs with this this perspective of balance, and and you can't unsee it. Mm-hmm. I mean, once you yeah. start looking, you see at, it everywhere now. You see it everywhere. So where do, where are you seeing it taking you? Oh well, down like a whole rabbit warren (laughs) yes so so what is what are some of the rabbit holes that you are exploring and enjoying exploring now well i i think just so the the various things we've talked about so in terms of like improving my ability to communicate with my dogs by watching their balance and what that tells me about what's going on with them and learning how to help them find and maintain balance uh, in the, in the work that we do together, I think is going to be, and there's so much of that that I just don't even know how to do that yet. I have, I actually have a a good friend and colleague, uh, Mari Valdma, who is developing, she's a a certified canine fitness trainer, but she does uh, movement puzzles. Like, like we talked about with your, with your balance puzzles uh, and uh, and she's she's been coming up with some really great work that so I'm I'm excited to start applying that to my training around uh, helping dogs w- find balance in movement 
Um, and I think there's a whole lot to be explored there. So she and I are very excited about that. And so what's that a movement puzzle? So it's um, okay. Are you familiar with the, the balance puzzles that Alex has? She, she shared with us in science camp where, where the, the horse was basically moving around a circle from the center to and having to turn and use their body to find that's and, and stay in and do it in balance. And, and it's something similar with the dogs. So the dogs will, you know, go have to go through um, a movement and, and, and the criteria is to stay in balance. So you start with very simple movements. So just, for example, going back and forth between two targets um, or, or two bowls with cookies in them. And then you, you put something between the two targets. So the dog then has to step on it and then go and, and find balance. And you, and, and you, and you just build from there. Um, and it, it's quite fascinating. She has a, a Facebook group on this. If you want to learn more, you can go check that out. And then you just go from there. You can put all sorts of different interesting little puzzles. So they're, they're, it's like puzzles for the dog to figure out with their, with their body in movement, but by finding balance. So they have to do it sort of in flow, in a flow state, very, very thoughtfully. And uh, so it takes a lot of training and it requires loopy training and it requires loopy listening and all the things and you put it into, into a dynamic puzzle for the dogs. And I think it's, uh, that's absolutely the direction that I'm going with my training. And, uh, and I think there's, there's an awful lot uh, that's, that's going to come from this. I, I think we're just at the very beginning and as more people become aware of this and, and take it and, and run with it, we're going to see a lot of amazing things come up with it. What, about behavior and so on and so forth. That sounds like something where having the horse people and the dog people coming together to explore that would be incredibly valuable. I, I completely agree. I think that would be really exciting. Yeah, but that's a place where the two different species and uh, and what we know about uh, from the horses and what you know from the dogs, that when you put those two repertoires, two species together, that the ballooning of ideas would be phenomenal. Absolutely. I think so. Because yeah. the, the cross-pollination and of, of how, how this would be used. And, and I think it's really neat looking at, you know, working with prey animals versus predators and the similarities and the differences. We'll be seeing things with, through, you know, in different ways. Yeah. And also the if there's, because it, with horses, there's, there's the obvious size difference, but also they're not as plastic an animal as a dog right you know when you think about how wiggly a dog is and that dogs can fling themselves on the ground and wiggle in six different directions simultaneously so to speak and horses just they're that's not how their spine works well and that's that's one of the reasons why we can get away with working with with dogs out of balance uh yes. so much more easily than horses because dogs compensate so beautifully when they are young and then by the time they have, you know, they have stiffened up and they're older and, and maybe we've, we've built all these patterns of being out of balance into them and then they get injuries, uh, we, we don't make the connection directly. And so we, we don't even think to go there for... And I think that's a core piece because, you know, it's one thing you've got, you've got all these puppies in your house and they're bouncy and they're exuberant and they... They move in ways that make you smile and that make you laugh. And some are more naturally athletic than others. And you might, if you were picking one out to be your next competition dog and you've got these, uh, what is it, seven puppies to choose from. <laughs> Only five. Picking five, five. <laughs> you might be saying, I'll, you know, I, I'll, that's, that's my keeper and 
and I'll reluctantly place the other, so to speak. And that's, that's fine when they're young, but we want to keep our, these animals that we love in our lives for as long as possible. And you don't want to spend the last few years of your animal, whether it's a dog or a horse, you don't want to spend the second half of their life watching them suffer because their bodies are racked in, in pain. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and with dogs, their, their performance life is so short. So yeah. we, you know, we, we don't have a lot of time. Their, their lives are so short. I mean, we're, you're lucky if Compared you get, to horses. yeah, if you have 15 yeah. years with your dog, then, then you're blessed and you'll, you know, it might take you three years to get three to four years to get them fully trained to a really, you know, top competitive level or longer. And, and if your dog has to be retired by the time they're seven, I mean, it's heartbreaking. Um, and even I, I, you know, I want my dogs to be able to work until they decide they're, you know, you know, I can, you can, they can do, they can work sheep that 13, 14 years of age if their bodies hold up. Uh, so that's, that's my job is to help them get there. Yes. And I'm thinking, as you're saying this, you know, and at seven, they're done. And I'm thinking how many horses are out there who at seven are done? Oh, wow. And this is, this is or even younger. And this is a, a species that can live to be into their 20s and live to be into their 30s. Right. And yet through the way that they are worked, we're just trashing their bodies. And that's just not right. So balance absolutely matters. It just absolutely matters because we want them. We it, It's so important that our horses, that whatever, whatever we choose to do with our horses, that we do it in a way that enhances their life and does not deteriorate their quality of life. Absolutely. And we want the same for our dogs too. Yes, absolutely. So, so lots of commonalities, which is why I thought it would be so much fun when you were getting excited by balance, and I was, which, which excites me. You know, I love it. <laughs> I love what, that, you know, that that's what came out of science camp was this, uh, that being really, really excited by uh, an exploration of balance. So I can't wait um, to see where this goes from here. Yes. Yes, I agree. So I'll have to have future conversations where you can share some of the uh, discoveries you've been making and things that you've been seeing with the dogs and directions you've been taking it because it is exciting. Absolutely. It's absolutely exciting. And what I enjoy also is one of the reasons that I wanted to have this conversation is I think, you know, somebody whose primary interest is in horses and they've been hearing me talk about balance and it's, until, you know, blah, blah, blah. Oh, there's Alex going off on balance again. You know, I'll, I'll skip this part. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, you know, I invite you in and you're not a horse trainer, you're a dog trainer. And you're going, and this balance stuff is so cool. It's like, oh, well, maybe I should pay attention <laughs> for my horse. If somebody who's uh, looking at it from sort of the outside looking in, from the perspective of a dog trainer looking at the horse trainer, thinks it's important. Well, maybe it's important. Well, you know, it's interesting because 
when we're, you know, for, for dog sports, we, we want to get to the sexy stuff, right? You want to yeah. be, you want to be like running around that agility ring. You want to be out there, like having your dog working the sheep, or you want to be, you know, competing in, in your obedience and or doing your rally free or whatever. And, and so when you think about, Oh, I got to put all this time into like teaching my dog to stand, you know, <laughs> yeah. or, or, um, doing the, you know, the same with the loopy training and the loopy listening. And I'm like, okay, so we're going to do the, the, you know, we're going to focus on a feeding loop and see if we can get a clean feeding loop. Right. And, yeah. and now yeah. we're going to do a clean feeding loop and balance, yeah. right? Like the, the people, yeah. I think, and the horse people are going, I want to ride. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and you think, oh my goodness, that's going to take me a hundred years to get to that, you know, agility trial. If I'm, if I'm doing this, but, but the, the thing is, is that it, 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 it builds exponentially. So you put, yes. you put this training in to start and maybe you spend, you know, a few weeks or a couple of months getting these, the, you know, the, this in really solidly. And then you have an animal that can put the pieces together so yes. much more quickly. Yes. And you see the, you see the speed up of the performance at the, at the, you know, the distal end. So, so yes, maybe it's a little slow at the start and especially if you've done the sexy stuff and, yes. and you, and you understand how, you know, all the problems <laughs> could, that you, <laughs> that you, that you beat your head, you know, your head against the wall over, um, over all of those years could have been solved by doing this work for, you know, a short period, what a relatively comparatively short period of time. You know, I have people who come to me for help that have been struggling for years with their sexy stuff, that the problem fixes itself within a few weeks or a couple of months of working on, on these foundation pieces. It, it suddenly, it suddenly no longer becomes that onerous task. Like for me, I think this is, this is the sexy stuff. And then everything else is yes. just, just icing on the cake when it yeah. comes together. Yep. Everything else pops out. Yeah. You know, you focus on this and the rest really does pop out. It becomes almost like an exponential curve. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, so it's so the same. It really is the same and it's really exciting. So this has been a great conversation. I've, I've loved this. I've really enjoyed it too. I'm so, yeah. so grateful that you invited me to, to come here and, and, and share all this and talk about it and dig in a little bit deeper. Yeah. Well, it's great to have that fresh look from the dog world. Yes, huh? very much so. Very much so. Yeah. Well, so, and, and I love everything that the horse world is bringing to, to us too. So I think it's great. Yeah. Cross-pollination is a good thing, you know, and, and <laughs> especially within the clicker training community, we might as well look at what, you know, we're all doing because there are a lot of very clever people out there. And every, what, what I learned very early on is that, Every horse handler team has something that we can learn from. With my own horses, there were challenges that they presented me with that I had to really puzzle through. But they didn't present me with, thank goodness, with every <laughs> challenge that, that a horse can come up with. Oh, thank goodness. So there will be things that I did not have to work on directly with my own horses that somebody else with their horse is going to be puzzling through. And as they puzzle through with that individual and they come up with interesting and clever and creative strategies, that feeds back into the whole community. You know, clicker training is really still 
uh, the new kid on the block. We're, we're, it's still a very young training uh, approach. And so the more the merrier and the more we look at not just what we're doing within our own species, but what people in working with other animals are doing. That's why I started training the goats because I found that they really added enormously to my training repertoires, working with an animal that that was smaller and moved differently and had uh, different behavioral sets from the horses that I was familiar with. So uh, it's all good. The, the, this looking at what we're all doing, I think it's really important. Well, certainly balance, Alex, has been a focus of good trainers forever, yeah. even traditional Absolutely. trainers. Absolutely. Yeah. And when you look back, as in the horse world, the horse especially. World. I mean. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I'm sure there are amazing people who have been working with balance in the dog training world for years. Uh, you know, like you were talking about with Kay Lawrence. It, it just, on my radar, has never been broken down and presented this way, such that then it becomes something that I am intentionally aware of and working on. And I think that's the piece. I, I, I have no doubt there are people out there who've been doing this very well for a very long time. But to, to break it out and look at it and then it, bring it as an intentional conversation into the training certainly hasn't been happening in a, in a broad way yet. Yeah. Well, there's so much to learn. <laughs> <laughs> there is. Isn't there? And, and I make such a, a, a real intentional, it's not just let's look at the horse's balance, but we need... We need to get, we need to get to an understanding of good balance through ourselves, you know, through an understanding of our own balance, mm -hmm. and not just how it affects our learner, how it affects the dog or the horse directly, but also by exploring our own balance, we learn more about what is going on, how to see and appreciate what is going on in somebody else's uh, as somebody else moves, whether that's a dog or a horse or a human. And so that that weaving in of the Feldenkrais work, the Alexander work, the the Tai Chi and you know everything else that, that I've sort of woven into the whole mix, some of the Pilates and so on. I think it's it it add it enriches the experience. So uh, there is, a, Dominique, you're right. There's just a lot to explore, which is part of the fun. It's part of the fun. We never get to the bottom of, you, you'll never run out of something new to learn. <laughs> That's what makes it, absolutely. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm over 30 years into this and, and, uh, and still feel like a, a total newbie and excited about where I'm going. Yeah. Isn't that great? That's, that is, that's the best place to be is to feel as though you're that this is a whole new world opening up in front of you and there's so much to learn. I just think that is the really exciting place to be. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been a phenomenal conversation and I thank you immensely and we will definitely have to do it again. Thank yeah. you so much. And it's been, it's been really wonderful to be here and, uh, and I, I would love to carry on this conversation. Well, this has indeed been a fun conversation. 
you heard us talking about how useful, how valuable it is to look at what other clicker trainers are doing. And you all have a great opportunity to do just that. The Clicker Expo is coming up at the end of the month, assuming that you're listening to this podcast when it was published. If not, the Clicker Expo may already be passed. But I'm putting this up in the middle of January. The Clicker Expo is at the end of January 2021. And this year, it's going to be a virtual event. So it doesn't matter where in the world you live, you can still attend. And that's really exciting. And it also means instead of all the presenters being in one place, we're scattered all over the planet as well. So you're going to get to see a lot of really, just really fun training and training of different species. So I'm going to be doing two demos for the expo that cover the early stages of clicker training. It's really how do you introduce a horse to clicker training. And I'm going to be visiting one of my local clients. She has a new horse this year. So he's still very much in the early stages of clicker training. Nothing is really solidified to the point of where you would say, ah, that's a Grand Prix level behavior. He's he's still in the very much the learning phase, which means that he's going to be a great demo horse. He knows the basics well. He's been introduced to all the foundation lessons, so we can use those. We can show you how they were originally taught and some of the details that really make a difference, the kind of details that we've been talking to Helene about, where these details that I fuss make a huge difference both in the horse's balance and the handler's balance. So that's going to be part of the demo. And then we're going to be able to use those foundation lessons that he knows to begin to build more complex behaviors, to really put the foundation lessons to work. And you'll see how that process evolves. And again, I'm just so pleased that we have the opportunity to peek in on this horse's training because you can really see how the dots connect, but he's not so far along that things begin to look magical and you just can't quite picture how you could possibly get from a starting point, any sort of starting point, to what you're seeing in this just amazing behavior. So it's it should be a great demo. And it's very much a connect the dots program. Ellen was just talking about how important the early lessons are, how you know you can be looking at this, what she's referring to as loopy listening, which is just a nice refinement, a nice uh, insight into what we're talking about when we say in loopy training, a loop must be clean and what actually being clean means. And what she's confirming so magnificently is that when you get that right, and when you get these early lessons right, when you take the time with the foundation lessons and you focus on those, then all of a sudden your training can just take off. So what I want to be showing in this program that I'm doing for the Clicker Expo is how all the details that I focus on in the early lessons carry forward into the rest of the horse's training. If you want to learn more about the expo or if you want to register, go to clickertraining.com and that will direct you to the expo. So that's 
clickertraining.com. Easy to remember. And if you've been intrigued by all of these discussions of balance that we've had with Ellen, and you'd like to learn more, I've just posted my 2021 clinic schedule. The clinics, at least for the first half of the year, are all going to be virtual. So in 2020, I shifted my clinics to a virtual format because of the virus. You know, everybody, like everybody, I had to make some major adjustments and going to a virtual clinic format was one of them. But I discovered, much to my total surprise and delight, that I love the virtual format. It turned out it's a great way to share this clicker training information and to really help people move along in their training. It's just a phenomenal way to teach behavior. Who knew? So I'm going to continue to use the virtual clinic format going into 2021. And I'm going to be repeating the three clinics that I, that I designed last year. And I'm also going to be adding four new clinics for 2021. So basically what I'm presenting is a course that takes you sequentially deeper and deeper and deeper into the work. So I really recommend to people that you, you sign up for the courses in the order in which they were presented. And the three new courses are really intended for people who are either very familiar already with my work or who have attended the clinics that I presented last year. So you're ready for the new material. Overall, I have to say that I love how these clinics erase the constraints of geography. So now everyone can participate no matter where you live. Zoom lets us travel literally around the world without ever leaving home. And it removes the challenge that so many people have in terms of they'd love to get their horse to a clinic, but either the horse isn't ready and really needs to stay home, or they just live too far away and it's too expensive. So what these virtual clinics do is they remove all of that. I get to work with your horse in his home environment. So there's no travel expense and there's no travel stress. We don't get the, he never does this at home. <laughs> when you have a horse at a clinic who's saying, I can't really cope here because I'm I need to be back in my own home environment to feel safe and secure. And I can't learn what you want me to learn because I'm falling apart emotionally. There isn't that in the virtual clinics. Your horse is in his home environment. He's where he can learn best. It's where you can learn best. And you don't have to worry about the stress of putting him on a trailer or taking him to a new environment, taking him away from his friends, and you don't have the expense of traveling either. So last year, the clinics were modeled after the in-person clinics. They were held over two days with sessions in the morning and the afternoon. And I set up virtual clinics for each of the clinic locations that I would have been visiting if the virus had not shut down all travel. So that ended up creating just a crazy schedule for me. I might not have been traveling, but I was still changing time zones practically every weekend. 
So this year, I'm going to try something different. No one is trailering a horse to these clinics, so that means that I can be more flexible in the format. And I'm going to experiment with two different formats. The first style of clinics, the first format, the clinics will be held over five consecutive days. So we're going to meet once a day for approximately three hours. The first day is for introductions, and then we get into the real heart of the clinic material. So essentially, it is the same amount of teaching time as the two-day clinics, but it's just spread out over more days. This has the additional advantage in that it gives you more time to work with your horse in between sessions. So we can have a block of teaching, and then you can work with your horse, video it, send me the video, and that video then gets woven into what we cover in the rest of the clinic. So I think it's going to be a good format. We did it for one of the clinics last year, and it was, it was a lot of work for me, but it worked really well in terms of the teaching. Another great advantage of spreading it out over the five days is it means we aren't limited by geography or time zones. So these clinics that are held over five consecutive days are going to begin at 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern time. The difference depends upon the time of the year and whether we're on daylight or standard time. So that's 5 or 6 p.m. Eastern time for me. And that means that if you're on the West Coast, that's a 2 or 3 p.m. start time. So it's going to be really easy for you to join in. And if you live on the other side of the planet, it works well for you as well. In fact, that's why we set the start time where we did. So it's going to be a morning start time for people living in Australia and New Zealand. This clinic was really set up to be able to include the Australians and New Zealanders and everybody else who's living on that side of the planet. The other format is going to be a little different. It's going to be held over two consecutive weekends. So each clinic will begin on Friday for the introductions and then we're going to have one training session per day on Saturday and Sunday. And then during the week everyone in the clinic will also be able to participate in a closed form. So if you've signed up for a horse spot, and a horse spot could also potentially mean a dog spot or some other critter, but primarily we're going to be looking at horses. So if you've signed up for a horse spot, this means you can send in videos of your training throughout the week for analysis and training suggestions. Then the following weekend, we'll meet up again for one session per day on Saturday and Sunday. So the start time for these clinics is going to be 12 noon Eastern time. So if you're on the West Coast, that's a 9 a.m. start time. So basically everybody in North America, this will give you a really comfortable starting time for the, the formal sessions that are on the weekends. And then this time schedule also works well for those of you in the UK and Europe. You'll have a late afternoon or early evening start time to the clinic, depending upon where you are. So I'm really looking forward to seeing the groups that assemble for these clinics. Geography truly won't matter. If you like to travel, but you don't want to leave home, 
come join me in one of these clinics. You can have the best of both worlds. So we should have people from all around the planet attending these clinics, which is going to be enormous fun. And I think the exchange of ideas is just going to be phenomenal. You know, for years when I give clinics, I often think, oh, this person who's out on the West Coast would so enjoy seeing what this person who's on the East Coast is doing with their horses and vice versa. You know, and I get to see them both and I get to work with them both. And now you do as well. So I think this is going to be just a great, great innovation for these clinics. So take a look at my website to learn more about the topics we're going to be covering. Space is limited. These are small groups. So do sign up early to reserve your spot. Basically, in March, I'm going to be starting with the first clinic, which is going to be a Getting Started Clinic. And the topic is exactly what the title suggests. We're going to be looking at the beginning steps of clicker training. So this is a great one if you are new to clicker training, if you have a new horse, if you teach and you want to see how I cover the basics. So that's the first virtual clinic I'll be giving this year, one on getting started. Then I'm going to be giving the three clinics that I taught last year. That's series one. And I gave it the title of the central core, understanding balance. And the topics that are covered were Extinction Friend or Foe, which really looks at uh, loopy training as well and the overall teaching strategies that we're going to be using in clicker training and how to be a constructional trainer. And then what do you see? Very important clinic. And constructional rope handling. I've called this year's series, Let's Get Creative, Designing the Steps Towards Your Own Study of One Excellence. And the titles for the three courses are Managing Energy and Emotions, The Goldilocks Principle in Action, Getting to Just Right, long title. The second course is Connecting the Dots, What Have Hugs Got to Do with Lateral Work and Riding? And the third one is The Tai Chi Walk and Reversibility, Understanding Lateral Work. The first one, I'm really, the the energy and emotions, I'm really excited by that one. I'm going to be joined by Michaela Hempen. She's going to co-teach this with me. And we're really going to be, we're going to be looking at how you use single subject design and this just major concept of stimulus control, really important. And then connecting the dots will continue on. I'm just, again, super excited by this clinic in terms of really getting into the real nuance of balance and the subtleties of balance and then how you take this into the lateral work and riding. We had a lovely, lovely thing from somebody who was attending last year's clinics and is also in the online course and she was working on the beginning stages of the single rein riding and she just wrote this wonderful post to the online forum for the course in which she said you know last spring if she asked for a trot or a canter it was just a mess and she's been working with the in-hand work working on all of these underlying pieces and the other day she just to see where she was picked up a trot and she said it was like heaven and and then she asked her horse for a canter and there it was and I just had to smile you know it is that whole prepare prepare and let it happen and 
trust the process and the walk is the mother of all gates and all of those lovely mantras were just rolled up into this one wonderful experience that shows how when you really do take that time to to set the stage as it were then the unfolding is just so amazing so then the tai chi walk and reversibility sort of comparable to the rope handling course in the first series in that this is a skill building course for the handler so the focus is going to be on the handler and the skills that they need to be able to teach and follow into the greater depth of exploration in the balance and I will say that this second series these are advanced courses and so you really will should start with series one and not jump ahead into the second series. I'm presenting all of these courses this year. My hope is that people who were not in the courses last year will start at the beginning of the series and work progressively through. And then as you uh, have worked through those courses, I have the new material waiting for you, which is going to be very exciting and lots of fun. So I'm going to let you visit my website to find out more about what each of these clinics cover. I've got detailed descriptions and the schedule is up. You can register for the clinics online, which makes it very easy. And if you have any questions, do email me privately. And I thank you for listening all the way to the end here. Sorry for the long advertisement, as it were. But every now and then, it's just important to let you know what's going on and certainly to let you know about these clinics. I should just add after all of this that you can read about the clinics at my website, theclickercenter.com. Again, that's theclickercenter.com. So do visit, go to the events section in the website. You'll see the tab at the top of the homepage. It's the events section pull that tab down, and that will send you to all of the clinic information. So thank you for listening. Stay well and have fun with your horses. And I should add, since we were talking about dogs so much, have fun with your animal partners, whatever species they are.